Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the Eurohoop Pod, the official Eurohoops uh, podcast. This is Antonis Trogilakis and uh, I'm with Adigoni Zahari, like uh, every week. Hello Adigoni, how are you? Hello Antonis, I'm good. Welcome back everybody. And welcome back uh, everybody. Stay tuned uh, first and foremost of course for what we're going to discuss. But uh, okay, seriously, stay tuned because we are going to have a very special guest for an interview later on our boat. But before we proceed with this, uh, we we shall continue with uh, with a competition that began this week. And uh, Adigoni, I'm talking about the Seven Days Euro Cup, of course. Of course, new season, a uh, few changes this time, two groups instead of four in the regular season. Um, there is a significant change in the format. It's going to be more fun, more competitive and more interesting, actually. And of course, we have uh, two great teams separated into two groups and both teams got victories in round one. Impressive victories on the road, both. And, on the road, uh, indeed. Partizan actually set a club record, 106 points against the uh, Hamburg Towers. Hamburg scored the 97, the newcomer in EuroCup Hamburg Towers. And uh, the other big team, I'm assuming you are talking about Virtus Bologna, of course. 81 exactly. against... Uh, Fruity Bursa Sports 83 on the road again without Milos Teodosic and without uh, Nico Manion. Uh, quite impressive, I have to say. Valencia also took a victory uh, over Prometheus Patras 98-82. Valencia also had uh, absences. They played without Bogdan Dublevic and they played without Mike Tobey. So basically, at Digoni, we have uh, three the three major contenders, the three favorites, scoring wins. Uh, okay, Valencia's wins uh, wasn't probably as impressive as the one of Partizan or the one of mm-hmm. uh, Virtus, but it was still uh, a win against a team that can be competitive, that has proven to be very competitive. And uh, basically, with, Valencia played without its uh, two best players. And that's it. But uh, they won. So, Adigoni, what I want to ask you is this. You wrote the EuroCup uh, Power Rankings, the first official EuroCup uh, Power Rankings for uh, Eurohoops and the official site of EuroCup Basketball. And uh, how do you see the the first round in comparison to the rankings that you made, to how you rank the teams? Honestly, it's pretty much uh, expected. Like, um, for those of you who may not have seen the rankings yet, I have picked Virtus Bologna at the first spot, and then Partizan second, Valencia third. Um, and it was pretty much uh, a normal quote-unquote round. No big surprises, no big upsets. And we should also mention a big victory, well, a victory by Lokomotiv Kuban against Morabang Andorra. They actually, the margin may not look that big, but they led the game by 20-25 points at some point. So my question for you now is, uh, I know you've seen the rankings. Um, which team do you think deserved better or which team you think, or if exists, you know, could rank uh, lesser? in a in you know wow. a spot that it's not exactly that difficult question um well not because uh, they won uh, 
on the road the one against Gran Canaria for example I can easily say to you that whoa what do you want you put mm-hmm. Gran Canaria at the seventh spot and uh, to the Vita Olympia that you put at the ninth spot scored a road win over them so there you go but uh, honestly I think that uh, if I had to pick one team uh, that uh, could possibly make a surprise and go up to I don't know the semi-finals of the competition that would be to the Vita Olympia they have uh, they have a really, really, really solid uh, squad of, uh, you know, uh, players who can uh, score the ball like Jacob Pullen, who had uh, last night, he scored uh, 27 points and had six three-pointers uh, on the road. They have Melvin Edzim, an experienced uh, guy in the competition. They have uh, Zach August, who is an efficient big mm-hmm. man, he has shown to be an efficient big man in EuroCup. And they have uh, a lot of uh, domestic talent and experience. Jakob Lazic, Edo Muric. So uh, we have seen in EuroCup that if you have, you know, uh, unlike EuroLeague, because of course the competition is not the same, you don't need to have that large of a, of a depth on your bench. <coughs> Excuse me. If you have, you know, uh, three or four players that can truly make a difference, they can go, you can go far in the competition. So the Vita has this. And if I had to pick uh, another dog, I mean, another dog among those mm-hmm. teams that you didn't put in the top five, then uh, that other dog, dog would be Cedevita. Apart from that, I pretty much more or less agree your, with your picks. Obviously, the top three, uh, Virtus, Partizan and Valencia, in this ranking is exactly how I would put them uh, as well. And... Um, you know, probably the fourth spot as well, Lokomotiv. Uh, for me, th- the way I see it, this uh, these four spots are kind yeah, of a lot. You know, Lokomotiv uh, lost uh, many, if not all, of its best players. Uh, true, it from, was a uh, from last you know, season. change. I mean, Nigel Williams goes is out. Midaugas Kuzmiskas is out. Mantas Kalinetis, who had uh, a really good EuroCup season uh, despite his age, is out. But uh, Okay, they got uh, Eric McCollum, who can um, light the competition and uh, he can easily finish the season as the top scorer. I think it, it will be between uh, him mm-hmm. and probably Kevin Panther and there's Milo Teodos, it's Marco Bellinelli. Lots of contenders there, but uh, Eric McCollum is a guy who you can easily pick as one of the favorites. Yeah, Lokomotiv Kuban is of uh, the top four. And then, uh, I don't know, it will depend on a lot of things. Uh, it will depend on... I mean, this is, a, this is a power ranking. It's not a prediction, right? So you don't... True, predict- and it's hard to make predictions at this point. The season just, you know, started. Yeah, the only thing you can do is uh, rank the teams based on uh, their condition right now, on uh, the quality of the roster, their experience. Uh, uh, and and the tra- trajectory, of course, uh, which is uh, something that you mentioned uh, in the prologue. So uh, yeah, we are going to see a very interesting EuroCup season. A lot of uh, a lot of stars: Marco Bellinelli, Milos uh, Teodosic. We talked about them. EuroLeague stars. Uh, I mean, not exactly EuroLeague mm-hmm. stars, but players who who had really strong EuroLeague showings last season like uh, Kevin Pader and Zach Day in uh, the new and improved Partizan Belgrade under Zeliko Bradovic. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, EuroCup is an interesting competition to watch uh, regardless of uh, names, specific names. 
but uh, part, this, this edition of Partizan Belgrade and this edition of Virtus uh, truly, truly, truly increased the status of, of the competition and uh, how attractive it is for viewers that would otherwise, you know, maybe ignore it, maybe mm-hmm. they would say, you know, uh, okay, it's EuroCup, it's not as good as EuroLeague. I think that uh, Virtus and Partizan, for example, I'm thinking about those two teams specifically, are teams who could uh, easily compete for something big in EuroLeague. And I could I could pick uh, Valencia also. I could add also mm-hmm. Valencia in the mix. So, yeah, uh, watch EuroCup, guys. It's going to be fun. That's the message. And, you know, uh, <laughs> on top of what you said, I think that the format change will also benefit the teams, those three teams especially that you mentioned, because um, not only will they get more more games in their home courts, uh, which also means extra profit, um, they will also get the chance to, you know, be very prepared when the time of the season comes for the playoffs and the eight finals and all of that stuff. Yes, more games. Uh, and as you said before, uh, I think a, a more a more fair structure in the competition and format. We will see. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to watch and uh, fun to cover. Definitely. True. So for this episode of the Eurohoop podcast, the episode four of the Eurohoop pod, we have a really, really special guest that uh, makes us the honor of being here. This guy, he began playing basketball uh, in 2003 in the French second division and he climbed the ranks of European basketball, absolutely, to become one of the top guards in Europe. Uh, he became also a Euroleague champion with Fenerbahce in 2015. He's a four-time Turkish League champion, a Turkish League Finals MVP. He's a Turkish Cup multi-winner and final MVP. He's a former All-EuroCup Euro guard and has so many other distinctions under his resume. After 15, 15 seasons, he ended his career a month ago, but uh, he, or, or later perhaps, I don't know when he decided, he will shed light to this. And he returned to Fenerbahce as individual development coach and infrastructure ambassador. Bobby Dixon, a.k.a. Ali Muhammad. Thank you for being with us, Bobby. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, uh, thank you for the nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew that you would like it. So, uh, Bobby, first of all, is it Bobby or, or Ali? I don't know which, which one you prefer right now. I was, every time I was talking to you, I was calling you Bobby. Which one you prefer? Bobby, so uh, basically you are currently in Madrid, where Fenerbahce is playing against Real Madrid toma- tomorrow. And uh, this is yep. a game that you're going to see on uh, on the sidelines. Before we proceed uh, to your new role, uh, you stopping playing basketball, I really, really, really want to ask you this. The last time we talked was two years ago, during the 2019 Final Four. And, it wasn't, and our last discussion wasn't about basketball. It was about Game of Thrones and the finale. So I have to ask, you, right. did you like the finale? Or are you in the category, let's, let's do this thing? No, I mean, I like the finale. It was, it was, I, I prefer it. I mean, it had to end though. So I, if it, it seemed like it was rushed. Yeah. But, but uh, overall, I think it was cool. It, was, it wasn't bad. 
Yeah, I, I knew I knew that you are a very huge fan, and this is why I wanted to start with this. And I was also curious about the European about them. So anyway, let's return to you and uh, and Fenerbahce, and you actually retiring for basketball. Almost uh, a month ago, you announced your retirement for basketball, and uh, basically it was announced that you are parting ways with Fenerbahce. Later, you announced your retirement from basketball, and at the same time, it's also announced that you that you will continue with Fenerbahce but as an individual development coach and infrastructure ambassador. Before we move to your new role, when did you decide, when did you come to terms perhaps with the fact that uh, your playing days are over? Um, last last season, at the beginning of last season? Yes. I, I kind of felt that, that this was going to be my last season. So I had decided last season when the season had first started and uh was there a specific reason that you decided to, to keep it a secret i mean yeah i, I didn't want to you know i don't like that much attention so you know i, I decided that on my own so i didn't want to make it a big deal so it was a summer full of uh retirements actually vasilis panoulis luis cola and of course you um how how did you Maybe did you combine your decision with these two retirements happening? Did you get jealous or something? I mean, I only ask it in goodwill, of course. No, 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 I didn't actually. I mean, uh, right, of course, I understand you. But uh, no, I mean, it just it's basically was a personal decision. I mean, because, you know, physically, I mean, um, 38 now, I wasn't able to do the things that I'm used to doing at a high level. And as a player, when you can't do that anymore, I feel like it's time true and, so and i feel like it's time to do something else you know i'm 40 41 and when i'm finished playing i'm not able to walk how i walk you know <laughs> so okay bobby this last part was really great yeah. can you repeat it for us because uh, i mean the wife uh-huh. you you said something about uh the wi-fi i mean your hotel room must not be very good you said something about uh, playing until 40 44 and that wouldn't work so well obviously that you would want to play that yeah long, but... i said um yeah basically i said i didn't want to play that long yeah because i wanted my body you know i want to be able to walk normally <laughs> and be able to function normally for the rest of my life you know if i keep playing you know i feel like my back would have went out and my feet was hurting me really bad so i i think this was the t- so how do you feel uh, about not playing and you know watching games only from the sidelines i mean i'm i'm happy with my decision so I don't feel a type of way, you know, so uh I think it was the right decision, but I mean, I'm happy, so I, I don't feel no type of way. I mean, of course, you I like to watch basketball. I'm still a fan of basketball. I'm fine. So I guess it's not the right timing to ask you if it's, you know, to uh if you're missing the game already because <laughs> no, you're <I'm> actually <laughs> there, you know. No, I'm not missing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not missing it. The, okay. Playing games, okay, you miss that feeling, but is the traveling, the preparing, all of that, that take a toll on you mentally and physically. I don't miss that. And there's always, you know, there's always pickup if you want to play for the fun of the game. There are so many ways to do that. So, uh, right. So you may Before. not actually, you know, uh, be playing, but you have a new role with Fenerbahce now. How did that happen? I mean, basically, uh, Maurizio, the general manager here, Yeah. He um he presented he uh came to me with an idea of uh this position and you know I found it interesting, you know, and I wanted to explore that. So 
I wanted to see um, what that looked like, you know, after I'm done playing and see uh, where I can possibly go with it. Being like a player developer and, you know, this ambassador for uh, Fenerbahce. So I wanted to see what that looked like. I mean, of course, it's a new experience, but I wanted to see. Okay, so can you give us an outline basically for your new role? How does it encompass, you know? Right. So basically, my role is like uh, player development, which means like um, helping the players, you know, mentally, you know, share my experiences, you know, uh, um, basically, you know, working them out, you know, if they want to do one on one stuff. Um, basically being around a team, being a mentor, you know, far as being that, uh, that experienced guy that knows how things work in the organization, things like that. And far as like the ambassador role, like me being helpful to the youth program, far as like being an inspiration to them, speaking to them, explaining to them things that they have to do to possibly get to the next level. Um, and basically, uh, represent Fenerbahce in a prestigious type of way. And uh, we'll talk about uh, Fenerbahce later. And uh, you were one of the most important players of this team uh, when they rose to uh, to becoming a Euroleague powerhouse and a champion. But let's uh, let's take a look uh, back at your career beginnings. You actually began your career at 23 years of age, but it wasn't until you were around uh, 30 and when you were with uh, Pinar Kasiaka that most fans in Europe uh, learned who Bobby Dixon is. Uh, why do you think yeah, that you were such a late bloomer, if we can call you like that? I mean, basically, uh, I had I had a uh, I started in the second division in France. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, normally me me coming from not such a big school, and I didn't have a big agent at the time. You know, I had to start basically at the bottom. So that's that's where I started. But I just needed an opportunity. So once I got the opportunity. You know, I will take care of things from there. So, <laughs> so after winning actually the Turkish league with Garcia in 2015, you signed with Fenerbahce. Do you feel mm-hmm. that winning the championship with Garcia was that one uh, defining career-changing moment for you? The opportunity that you told us about, perhaps. Oh, oh, of course, because, you know, I, I was in Karsheka. That was my third year in Karsheka. And we had a lot of success the whole time that I was there. And for a team like Karsheka to win the league is, like, impossible normally. For me to lead that team to a championship in a Turkish league and, and convincingly, not just by luck, but it was convincingly, we beat Fenerbahce, which was a Final Four EuroLeague team that year. Exactly. And then we beat Ephesus, another Euroleague team that year. So, and we exactly. beat them convincingly. We beat Fenerbahce 3-1 and we beat Ephesus 4-1. So, it wasn't by mistake that we won the league. You know, and you know that's the thing because uh, in Euroleague uh, it is the final four and Senoka game and Enzika happened, but to beat two powerhouses in a row in a playoff series, many people don't understand how how extremely hmm. difficult that is. It's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and and how that never happens. Yeah, it never happens. I mean, there, there are there are things. There are some countries, you know, where it's between two teams always. It's uh, Greece, it's Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, Turkey. It was a back, a back then Fenerbahce and Galata. Now it's Fenerbahce and Defes. Spain, it's mostly Real Madrid and Barcelona for a team to come. And this Casillas team, I mean, it made the right. career of uh, many players. I mean, got transfers. 
if you went to Fenerbahce, DJ Strawberry went to uh, Olympiacos, it, uh, it was a very good moment for many of you. Right. Exactly. I went to I went to Fenerbahce, DJ went to Olympiacos, uh, Kenny went, I think Kenny went to Panathinaikos. In the next season. And John right? Diebler. Oh yeah, maybe in the next season. But yeah. John Diebler, I think he went to, he went to Ephes. Yeah. So everybody went somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a very successful squad and both on a team level and personal level for you as well. You, uh, you have counted many great performances and you have established yourself as an elite guard. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I had to ask you to pick five most memorable moments uh, with Fenerbahce this time, which would you mm -hmm. choose? Um, of course, you know, uh... When I signed here originally, um, when we won the Euroleague in 17, that was a big moment. Also, um, us going to the United States and playing NBA teams, the Brooklyn Nets and uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, that was a big moment, I think. Also, in uh, the couple Final Four runs that I had with NR, so. And uh, many great moments, many great teammates as well. Uh, I know that you had uh, mm -hmm. you had a special uh, connection with uh, Jan Vesely, especially. But is is there is there a, is there a favorite yeah. that you can pick among all of your great teammates you had with Fener? No, I can't pick. I had too many good ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I was like you said, Jan Vet. Like you said, Jan Vesely was one. Jan Vesely. Then I had Epe Udo. Then Bogdan, Gigi, James Nunley, uh, Nico, Kalina, Costas. I mean, yeah, we. You mentioned a lot of great guys, and you have also played for one of the greatest coaches of all time, Zeljko Bradovic, um, with, mm -hmm. with, with whom you spend most of the seasons. Uh, in Fenerbahce and you know he was also the one who brought you to Fenerbahce so what's mm -hmm. the biggest lesson you learned by him and that you now in your new role will you know transmit to your players to your young players from the lesson that I learned from Obradovic exactly yes I mean one of the main lessons was uh the basketball IQ, you know, really understanding the game and how to think the game and what to expect from your players, you know, like he, uh, he expects his players to be prepared mentally and physically. And he always expects his players to be concentrated on, on getting the job done. So, and always, you know, being, uh, working hard, you know, so that's one of the main things that I, I picked up from him. The question was, uh, what lessons uh, you pick from Obradovic and you can possibly also tell others, but uh, which, uh, which is the lesson uh, from uh, from your career, from your life, from Bobby Dixon, uh, from your experience so far that uh, you really want to, to also transmit to, to other players? So basically, it's, it's uh, mainly trying to get the players to understand opportunity, you know? So when you get the opportunity to perform, you got to prepare. For that opportunity and by preparing is is by working hard every day in practice you know uh thinking the game mentally and being ready when the time comes so you know uh speaking about uh, your career and your whole uh, life path uh, 
in my mind, you're one of the players who, who are the definitions of what we like to call an overachiever. You had far from an easy childhood, really far, a difficult upbringing, but you managed to turn your life around. You began playing uh, as a pro. Uh, you began at the lower divisions, of course, but you climbed all the way to the top to become one of the leaders of a championship team and overall had a very, very successful career as a professional basketball player. Do you consider yourself to be an overachiever? Overachiever? Yeah. I wouldn't say overachiever. I consider myself as a guy that took advantage of every opportunity. You know, that's how I look at most of it. And that's how I look at myself. So a lot of people, when they get opportunities, they're not prepared. And it stopped them from, you know, climbing where they where they say they want to be. I made the most of every opportunity that I got. And uh, and and I didn't let it slip. So basically, I put myself in this position by putting in the hard work. You know, uh, speaking about uh, I said about the overachiever, and uh, I really like the the motivation from you that I saw also by the the various hashtags and uh, nicknames nicknames that followed you over the years. I'd like I'd like you to talk about your nicknames and hashtags. And the stories behind them. First of all, uh, the, the obvious one, the heart over height. Okay, the heart over height, it means like <clears throat> your heart got to be big. And like, I'm not a big person, you know, I'm pretty small in stature. So heart over height is like my heart is going to make up for my height. Next one is the uptown mamba. I mean, the second part uh, is obvious, but I'd like the combination of it. Uptown mamba. Uptown okay. is a... Uh, uh, a neighborhood in Chicago where I'm from. And, uh, you know, growing up, a lot of my friends, you know, they said I had the Kobe mentality, how, you know, uh, <laughs> how deadly I was when it was like clutch moments in games. So that's where that name kind of came from. One of my friends, childhood friends gave me that name. So now let's, you know, uh, move back to basketball life from your playing days. Uh, mm -hmm. What was the most pissed off you felt after a game? I know both Antonis and I can think of a game, <laughs> the yeah, 2016 yeah. Euroleague but, final. This is exactly. the maybe. choice. <laughs> that's but the maybe game. you'll surprise us. Who knows? No, that's the game. Ah. That's that's the game that I was really most pissed off about. I felt that we should have won that game. We came back, and that's the game that that's the game that I sticks out in my head every time. And totally understandable, yes. Of course. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, what was the most annoyed? You can obviously tell us now because you aren't coached by anyone and you won't be coached by anyone. So you can easily tell us, I think. What was the most annoying mm -hmm. you ever felt, you ever became with something a coach told you? Um, actually, I never really, I really got, I never really felt like annoyed by something that a coach told me because my life has always been difficult. So, Something that a coach says, it never really annoyed me. It just made me respond. So I never really felt annoyed. You know, I you always know being annoyed can, can also enable a response. And, you know, if you being annoyed, doesn't mean that the coach, the coach probably would have been right. Uh, but nevertheless, it wouldn't change how you feel about it. Right. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I'm not easily angered, you know. Yeah. I'm not easily mm -hmm. angered. I learned to control my emotions my uh anger so but i don't let i don't let coaches get under my skin like that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really good 
and uh, mm-hmm. okay to to finish uh, to finish our conversation i i really I want to ask one thing uh, because i saw this on your instagram profile honestly and i really have to ask you have you actually ever gave one of your teammates a fresh cut a haircut I, a haircut no 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 i never gave one <laughs> for those who are where uh, bobby actually played the hairdresser in a sample commercial in turkey and uh, there were other fair players and bobby was the hairdresser was fixing their hair Uh, so it was all a lie. You you can't fix their hair. <laughs> yeah, it was all a lie. I mean, because I have a barber shop back in Chicago. Really? So yeah. So they kind of made it seem like uh, I was like a hairdresser, but I'm not. I'm not a hairdresser. I can't do hair for nothing. <laughs> oh, that's a bit, what's the name of the barber shop? Yeah, called? it's called Bobby D's. Bobby D's. Okay. If if I'm ever in yeah. Chicago, I'll try to. To give it a bit. So, Bobby, uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you for this uh, conversation. I mean, uh, despite the technical problems, I think it went really well. So, uh, before we close, uh, game against Real Madrid. Uh, two questions about basically: How do you feel about it, and how do you feel about uh, your matchups with Fenerbahce? Uh, I mean, Fenerbahce Real Madrid is one of the classic rivalries now in European mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, overall, I think it'll be a good game tomorrow. Uh, I think the guys, they've been prepared well all week. And uh, we got some hungry young guys that's prepared to uh, go out tomorrow and uh, win the game. You know, of course, Madrid is always a tough team, always a well-coached team with, with great players. But I think our guys are going to come out and try to try to win tomorrow. Okay, Bobby. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for being here and uh, for you talking with us and sending your thoughts about uh, your career and uh, your new role, of course, uh, with Fenerbahce. Wish you the best for your future and or your uh, new career path. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank Good you night. for joining us, Bobby. Good night. Thank Bobby. you, guys. That was uh, Bobby Dixon, uh, everyone. Uh, Fenerbahce legend right now, actually. You know, I talked, uh, I mentioned all the accomplishments he had uh, on the team and how great uh, of a player he was. Uh, but actually, I missed this word. We're talking about the Fenerbahce legend at this point because he was uh, one of the players mm-hmm. responsible for Fenerbahce going from a team that uh, could barely compete to make uh, the playoffs. They became a Final Four team. They became a Euroleague champion, a Final Four staple, and a powerhouse. I mean, Fenerbahce wasn't a Euroleague powerhouse. It it began with uh, Zeliko Bradovic, first of all, arriving to the team, and then uh, players like uh, Bobby Dixon, uh, Jan Vesely, and others also came to make the to make Fenerbahce as we know it today. And uh, mm-hmm. that's a role for uh, today's uh, podcast, uh, Adigoni. Where can well, people listen to us? You can find the Eurohoop pod as always on Spotify. You can also find us through Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, on SoundCloud as well. And if you want to have a variety of choice, you can go on anchor.fm slash Eurohoops and you can hit subscribe there or you can follow the podcast in the aforementioned platforms. Great. So, thank you everyone for uh, listening. Adigoni, thank you for being a great co-host, as always. Thank you once again, Antonis, and we had a very fun talk with Bobby. 
Yes, despite our many, many, many technical problems, uh, I hope that... I'd well, say, it I, happens. I truly hope you know. that uh, our sound technicians and editors, and yes, I'm talking about the Costis and uh, Costadinos, forgive us about Shout it. out to them, by the way. <laughs> yes, a big shout out to them because uh, they are the ones to upload about uh, about this this episode of the podcast actually existing the way it does. So, <laughs> uh, see you next week, everyone, for the fifth episode of the Eurofoo Pod, and hopefully with another, we like to believe also special guests, because we really, really, really like to have special people here on the Eurofoo Pod. Farewell. Bye.